0: Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 44. I am just about one week out from my big scary goal, running 100 miles in 24 hours. And just to kind of recap, if this is like the first time you're tuning into the podcast, into the show, uh, the first time that I attempted 100 miles, I tapped out at 75 uh, miles due to a variety of things going wrong, some of which we're actually going to address in this episode. My second time I successfully completed 100 miles in under 28 hours and change. And so this will be my third attempt. And I'm not going to lie. This is a big and very scary goal because it means I will have to shave about four hours off of my previous time. And I have no idea whether or not I'll be able to do it, but I'm going to try nonetheless. I shared in a previous podcast episode about how my training hasn't gone exactly according to plan. And so I'm heading into this Not entirely where I'd like to be, but that's no reason for me to back out. And, you know, part of the agreement that I have with you guys is that I'm going to share the process of training for this thing, the good, the bad and the ugly and admitting to where I am and what I'm feeling and how I'm doing is part of that process. So in anticipation of the race, I wanted to sort of put together this episode to help any of you that are contemplating 100 miles. But honestly, these five tips, the things that we're going to talk about are applicable to any runner, not just 100 miles. So or even just ultra. So if you're, if you saw this title and you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, this isn't for me, it is because these five tips, they, um, they're good foundational things that you should be thinking about and doing, and they are amplified when you get to the next distance up. So when you get to hundred miles, like these things make all the difference in the world. All right. So let's just dive right in. Five tips for a successful 100 miler. And these are in no particular order here. So number one, know that you're going to be nervous and don't try to stop it. Now, it sounds a little weird that I'm telling you not to be nervous because if you've ever been nervous or had pre-race jitters, like you know how hard it is to tamp those down. But instead, I want you to think about doing two two different things here, two strategies within this point. Number one is to kind of embrace it and reframe it as excitement. So instead of trying to get rid of the nerves and stop yourself from being nervous, think about how you feel in your body like the stomach, the, you know, your body kind of maybe feeling a little bit like electrified, like jumpy or jittery, reframe that as that you're excited for this big thing that you're going to take on, not that you're nervous or scared or whatever. Even if that's how you feel, see if you can kind of reframe it in your mind as excitement. It's been helpful for me to think about that versus nerves because then you just get all wrapped up in the idea that you're super nervous, okay? And that doesn't do anybody any good. And then the second part of this is to breathe. Um, Sounds super simple, but oftentimes when we get nervous, we forget to breathe. And when we get excited too. So I want to actually teach you... um, a technique that I use. So breathing is one of the best ways that I have found to kind of manage nerves and stress in all areas, not even necessarily just related to running. And in my movement classes, I teach a couple different breathing techniques to help my athletes kind of uh, soothe their nervous system, right? Shift from sympathetic, the fight or flight system into your parasympathetic, which is like rest, just gest- rest, digest and recover. Um, and not only that, It actually helps to strengthen your breathing muscles, like the diaphragm and your lungs. And this helps when it comes to running, because just like any other muscles in the body, your breathing muscles are going to get super tired from the hours and hours of work that you're going to ask them to do. So if you can, let's do one of my favorite kind of breathing techniques right now. So first things first... (laughs) If you're driving uh, or if you're doing something that requires your attention, you can still kind of do this, but come back to it when you could maybe sit in a chair or lay down or just, you know, close your eyes and relax. Okay. So for those of you guys that can get really comfortable either sitting or laying down, I prefer to take standing out of the equation because it just requires too much um, balance. And I really want you to close your eyes while you do this. So get into position. And then as you're getting settled, just start to gently close your eyes, let your shoulders drop down away from your ears, and start to take a couple nice deep breaths in and out through the nose. So after you've done a few breaths here, just kind of notice what moves when you breathe in and then what moves as you breathe out so yeah your lungs and your chest probably move but does your belly move does the sides of your rib cage move do you feel any sort of movement or inflation on the back side of your body keep going nice and steady in and out through the nose And if you can't do the nose for whatever reason, maybe you've got a cold, maybe you have allergies and you can't quite get a full breath in and out through the nose, go really slow in and out through the mouth. Okay, now maybe put one hand on your belly and one hand on your chest. And as you're continuing to take those nice, deep, slow inhales and exhales, I'm going to kind of cue you to move different body parts with the breath. Okay, and I just want to kind of put out here that this might be new or might feel weird if you've never done any breathing exercises before, but just give it a try. And it's going to take some time to practice and kind of get the hang of it. So if you get frustrated by this, if nothing's moving the way you're trying to get it to move, it's totally okay. So finish your next round of breath. And then the next time you breathe in, I want you to fill your belly first, then your rib cage, and then your chest up underneath your collarbones. And then when you breathe out, I want you to go in the opposite direction. Chest, ribs, belly. So if I were looking at you from the side, if you were laying on the floor and I was looking at you from the side, I'd see sort of a wave. Breathing in, belly, ribs, chest, and then chest, ribs, belly as you breathe out. This might start really slow and small at first, just a little bit of movement in each of these places. And then over time, as you continue to practice, this will get better and better. So breathing in belly, ribs, chest, chest, ribs, belly. If you want to take it a little bit further, you'd start to kind of tug on the ends of the breath. So as you did belly, ribs, chest, maybe you'd pause at the top and hold your lungs full of air. And then you would do chest, ribs, belly and pause at the bottom and hold your lungs empty. Even if just for a fraction of a second. Okay, just two more rounds of that breath and then we're going to slowly kind of transition out and talk about the rest of the tips. And you can just switch back to whatever breathing pattern and cadence is most comfortable for you. And if you have your eyes closed, just slowly start to open them. Kind of just taking in what's around you. And then if you're sitting or if you have chosen to lay down, don't just hop up right away. Take a second, let your body kind of acclimate, and then get up and continue listening. Okay, so as I mentioned, this is just like one of the many, many, many breathing techniques that you can use. And actually... So this is one that I use a lot, but my friend Julia Felbar is a breathing expert, and she's actually going to come and teach some more breathing as part of the Winter Reboot program, but we talk about that later. But there's a ton of different breathing techniques. This just happens to be one of my favorites. You might have heard of box breathing, um, breathing in for four, breathing out for four, or six or eight, right? As you start to do this more and more often, your ability to like I said, tug on the ends of that breath and make it longer inhales and exhales will uh, come into play. So practice these two things, right? You know, you're going to be nervous. Don't try and stop it. Let it happen and reframe it as excitement and breathe. All right. Tip number two, have a plan and stick to it for as long as you can (laughs) okay uh you guys already know how i feel about a training plan and i don't think that you can haphazardly train your way to 100 miles so i'm not specifically talking about training plans here with this point but what i'm talking about is a race day strategy so this could cover things like pacing nutrition drop bags and aid stations weather conditions like all of the things um when it comes to pacing, it's going to be really tempting to fall into line or pace, um, especially at the start with other people, the runners that are around you. And this could actually lead you to going out too fast, which is really super common, or on the flip side, too slow, right? It it could, depending on the situation, it could go either way. So the best thing that you could do is kind of decide ahead of time what your pacing is going to be and know that for, you know, most people, it's going to decline as the mileage increases so if you're trying to make it to a certain aid station or an overall cutoff time you need to factor that in the earlier those things happen the more likely you are to hit those cutoffs because you'll be running on fresh legs and fresh lungs and as you start to you know progress throughout the day and cover more mileage your pace is going to drop you're going to get more tired so you have to kind of factor that in um knowing when you're going to take food or fluid, whether that's on a timed schedule or whether you'll be going by feel, knowing where the aid stations will be, what they have, what they don't have, what you're going to be taking from them. Uh, Another big one is the weather conditions. What are they going to be like? Do you have a plan for what layers you're going to put on or take off accordingly? Um, And I just always come back to this idea of failing to plan means planning to fail. It's super cliche. Yeah, I, I totally get it. But it really works in this scenario. So have a plan for as many of these elements as you can and stick to it for as long as you can, fully knowing that stuff is going to happen, right? Nothing goes 100%, as my mom would say, according to Hoyle, right? Um, so at the very least, Give it some thought ahead of time and don't solely rely on, you know, the race director, the race staff, your friends, your family, like, you know, really have a plan and then communicate that plan to other people, whoever is helping you so that they are on board. Because the other part is not only are you going to get tired and your pace is going to start to drop off, your mental capacity is also going to drop off. Now, this is in particular, uh, for a hundred miles. You're just going to get tired. You're going to be sleep deprived. And so having someone who can help you stick to that plan is crucial as well. Okay. Tip number three, make a decision and then make another one and another one and another one. Okay. Uh, these next few tips really go hand in hand in hand. So stuff is going to happen. That's going to force you mm, to perhaps maybe abandon your plan or at least some part of it. Okay. And that's all right. The best laid plans only last for so long. And then, you know, the universe or the ultra gods or whomever like take over and start to mess with shit. All right. But the worst thing that you can do is be indecisive about how to handle it. So this is going to totally derail your day. It's going to take away from your mental capacity, your physical capacity, and you're going to be, you know, focused on this one little thing. And if you don't make a decision on how to deal with it, you're going to be like totally derailed. So how do you do this? Well, first things first, you just kind of have to lay out your cards on the table, right? Kind of assess the situation. What's happening? Like what's going wrong, what needs to be dealt with the most urgently, and then do it. And this is where make the decision, and then another one, and then another one comes into play. If you're somebody that has a hard time making decisions, you, you're very indecisive. You like to weigh out all the factors. I fully recognize that this could be a tricky one for you, um, but try your hardest not to spend time waffling about it. Like. Should I do this or should I do this? What's the best way to handle it, right? These might be some of the things that you're thinking in your brain. Um, And the best advice that I can give you is there is no perfect decision, right? Stuff's going to happen and you're just going to need to make a decision about what can you do right now. So here's an example. Uh, During my first 100 mile attempt, somewhere in the, I can't remember, time is also fluid, 9 to 10 p.m. time of night, um, I left camp without the proper clothing. I had come like screaming into our home aid station, went down, went went th- over the timing mat, came back to our camp to get some stuff. And I just wanted to be in and out. That's where I was picking up my friend Steve, who was my pacer at the time. And I was just like, no, I'm good. Like I have, you know, I have all the, like, it's great. The temperature's fine. No problem. Um, I got Like a few miles down the trail and all sorts of stuff started to go wrong. Um, I was having GI problems on both ends. Uh, The temperature dropped significantly. My pace also dropped significantly because of the GI issues. Um, And I just, like stuff just started, there was a cascade of things that were going wrong. And so really for me, the task at that point was to assess what's happening, what's what needs to be dealt with most urgently, now do it. So first things first, my st- my friend Steve was great. He kept me moving. Uh, at one point, I had my just hand on his shoulder and we were walking slash jogging, uh, down the trail. And he was just keeping me moving towards the next aid station where we knew they had a fire going and I could get some like hot soup, um, and start to warm up. So that was the first decision. Just keep going, right. Go to the next place where we could then assess the situation again and figure out what to do. So we got to the aid station. I sat down by the fire. Um, it wasn't really doing the trick and I had to make a decision like, what am I going to do now? Uh, I ended up calling my husband to bring me the clothes that I had <laughs> forgot to the next aid station. And Steve, my pacer had the forethought to ask the aid station staff if they had any space blankets, right? So they did, thankfully. And so I wore that space blanket around my shoulders and just uh, kind of hitched myself to Steve and he just paced me the to the next aid station where there was another fire and my husband with all these warm clothes. So you just have to keep making the best possible decision for right now for what you're facing and then keep moving and then make another decision and another and another. So there is no one right decision. I could have in the moment turned around and gone back, you know, before I hit that midway aid station, you know, gone back to camp and gotten my clothes. But at that point, the best decision that I thought that I could make was to keep going because I knew there was a fire and hot food at the next one. So that's what I decided, right? I could have spent a lot of time waffling. Do I go back? Do I go forwards? What do I do? Who knows? Is this the best decision? I just made a decision and went with it and, you know, did the best that I could do in the moment, right? So that was tip number three, make a decision and then another and another and another until you get to uh, find a resolution or get to where you want to go. Tip number four, be prepared. So these tips kind of all go hand in hand, like I said before. So being prepared starts out with you doing your homework on the location and the conditions of your race. So making sure that you have the appropriate gear for where you'll be facing, not only in the layers, like I talked about in tip number three, but, you know, shoes and poles and the pack that you might need. Now, again, I mentioned at the beginning that these tips are for any race level from, you know, 5k all the way up to and through 100 miles. So just kind of filter, you know, these tips based on the level that you're at, right? Make sure you have the appropriate gear. Um, I always try to be as self-sufficient as possible because you just never know. And I think this actually stems from my event days and all of the possible ways that things could and did so many times and did go wrong that adapting on the fly, I think is now one of my superpowers, not something that I was born with, something that I had to cultivate over years and years and years of, you know, gaming out different scenarios about what's going to happen, what could happen, and do I have the appropriate stuff? So I like to bring it up here because you just never know um, either what's going to happen or what you're going to need. So But you can imagine, right, you can start to, like I said, game out scenarios that will help you to decide what to carry, what to have on hand, what to put in your drop bag, what to give your pacer, like all of the things. So at the very least, I carry extra socks, extra trail toes, you know, foot lube, Um, I have extra food you know, just enough to kind of carry me over extra hydration mix. And I have extra kind of first aid, basic first aid stuff. Um, I will typically will also have extra clothes of some sort, some sort of layers, whether that's extra hat and gloves or like a shell, just something. And, And you might be thinking, oh, that's a lot of stuff to carry, but I would much rather carry that extra weight of whatever gear I might need and never use it than to be wishing I'd had it in a very bad way and not have it. All right. Um, I'll give you another example. And it's so funny because like both of these examples involve my friend, Steve. (laughs) Steve. (laughs) completely unplanned because this one came to me just on the fly right now. But Steve and I were out for a hike slash trail run on a local mountain and we were going to this overlook spot and I was actually practicing carrying all of the weight that I would need and my first aid kit. This was a couple years ago before I did the ragged three-day stage race. And for that, they required you to have a little first aid kit with a bunch of stuff in it. And this is where my love for carrying that first aid kit was solidified. So we got to the top, we're hiking on this little ridge and we're kind of going down these boulders and hanging onto, you know, the trees that are adjacent for some stability as we step down. Well, Steve, for whatever reason, wasn't looking in the right direction and ended up nicking his the side of his head almost right into the corner of his eye with one of those you know sharp branches that sticks out from the tree that everybody uses as a handhold and at the time luckily he was actually wearing his glasses so the branch kind of deflected off the lens of his glass and then onto his face I it scares me to think that if he hadn't been wearing those glasses we could have been dealing with something way worse but as you guys know your head bleeds a lot. The skin is very thin and there's a lot of blood vessels that are up and around your head and specifically your eyes. So it started to bleed a lot. And luckily I had this first aid kit with me and we were able to, you know, put some pressure on it and stop the bleeding. And, and, get him down off the mountain and everything was fine. But that's just one little example, you know? So it's never bad to be prepared and carry the extra weight of whatever gear you might need um, in the hopes that you'll never need it, but you'll have it if you do. Okay, that brings us to tip number five, the last one, but certainly not least. And tip number five is attitude is everything, I've talked about this before, but I cannot stress it enough. Your attitude is everything. Over the course of your race, whether that's your first 5k or your 100 miler or beyond, you're going to go through a wide range of emotions. (laughs) Like you're going to get the big highs and the low lows and the trick is to kind of what I say is like ride the wave and keep sort of an even keel, especially when things are maybe like trending downward. So if you can keep a positive outlook for as long as possible, then your day leading into your night will go so much better because like we've talked about in these other tips, stuff is going to happen. Something and maybe even many things will inevitably go wrong. Some in your control, some outside of your control. And if you let it consume you, if you sort of like ride that downward spiral, then it's going to be a really quick descent into... agony, right? Mentally, physically, emotionally, like you're just going to ride that that downward spiral straight to the bottom. So the key that I have found is to keep a positive mental attitude. Smile, be grateful, say thank you to the aid station workers, talk to your fellow runners, make friends, listen to music, dance, laugh, whatever you want, whatever you need to do to stay in a good place, do it. I mean, most of you guys already do so much of that stuff. But the more you can do it, the more likely you are to keep that positive mental attitude and not let any of the negative thoughts or habits or, you know, whatever kind of creep into your brain. So I've I've talked about this before and I shared it on the last episode about the phrases that I used in BFC, but having a mantra or a sentence or a phrase that you repeat to yourself can be a huge asset during any race really, but definitely in a hundred miler or definitely any race that's the hardest one you've ever done. For me personally, it helps to focus my brain Um, it will pull me out of any negative thought loops that I might happen to find myself in. And it gives the brain something to do versus letting it just run wild, so to speak. So a lot of you have actually asked about mental skills, training, and strategies. You've either like emailed me or DM'd me. Um, and I could totally geek out over this stuff all day long because it's something that I'm kind of obsessed with because, of the races that I've taken on and some of the challenges, right? So in an upcoming episode, I'm actually going to interview my good friend and mental skills ninja, Alice Petzold. So she's actually going to be working with the athletes in the winter reboot program to teach them all about the brain and how to deploy skills and strategies to overcome obstacles and challenges that you're going to face on this like journey towards being, um, A runner, an ultra runner or a runner of any sort. So be on the lookout for that episode. It's going to drop soon. I think it's going to come next week, but just, I don't want to jinx myself in case there's a scheduling snafu, but be on the lookout for that one. And just remember, attitude is everything. So there you have it, five tips for a successful 100 miler. And again, I know I said it before, but these five tips are applicable to any runner, not just for 100 milers or even ultras, right? If you're going to do your farthest or your fastest race, um, these tips will definitely be helpful for you. They're just kind of like good old foundational practices that if you start doing them now, they will pay off big time in the long run, no pun intended. (laughs) Okay, so rewind this if you need to, take notes, jot down some ideas about what you need to work on, and then just get to it, start doing it. Even if it's imperfect, don't wait. And You know, if once you do start, you realize that you'd like some help making the stuff from these five tips stick, then I want to invite you to join me for the Run Farther, Faster, Stronger Winter Reboot Program. This is where basically I'm going to be hanging out all winter long working on the nuts and bolts of my running program with like a seriously kick-ass group of runners just like you and I mentioned it before but a bunch of my friends that are experts in these respective fields things like breathing and mindset and movement and nutrition and sleep and strength all of it and some more I have some more fun people that I'm talking to right now about coming in and being experts and presenting so maybe you're like me And you're kind of coming to the end of your racing season and you're starting to reflect on the year, seeing some of the things, the areas, um, you know, like maybe things sort of like slip through the cracks or where you could have done better and you want to do something about it. You know, for me, as I start to think back on my whole year, the things that I could have done better are kind of in no particular order, nutrition, um, strength, And mindset, like I always think that I can get better, even if this is stuff that, I mean, I've been working on these things for years and I know that there's still these improvements, these areas, these places where I could do better. And that's part of this whole process of becoming a runner, becoming an ultra runner, getting better, going farther and just challenging myself. So I'm excited to kind of spend the winter working on these things so that by the time 2022 comes around, I'm literally ready to hit the ground running and tackle whatever my big scary goals are for 2022. I haven't made a list yet, but it's definitely going to be part of what I do this winter. So to get more of the kind of nitty gritty details on the program and to snag your spot, you can go to my website. It's megan-gould.com forward slash winter dash reboot. All right. And if you'd like some help deciding if the program is right for you, like you're not sure you've been doing this or that or the other, and you kind of want to get, you know, like my take on whether it would be good for you, then just shoot me an email and let's chat. So that's Megan at Megan-Gould.com. Okay, you guys, that's all for this episode. Jot down those five tips, start putting them to use, enjoy this beat, and I'll see you guys soon.